listening to the Grid Iron Growl Podcast from ChopTalk.com. And welcome to the Gridiron Growl Podcast. Mark McLeod with you. This is my first gig here, guys, so I'm glad to be with you. It's an honor to be part of the Gridiron Growl Podcast. I've been a guest on it a few times, but I am thrilled to be the new host. And, of course, joining me right now, Brian Fox Jr., the founder and editor of ChompTalk.com. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing great, Mark. And, and hey, man, you were the obvious choice for this. Uh, we, we loved having you on. You and I go back a little bit talking baseball mm-hmm. and other things. So uh, thank you for, for jumping onto this and uh, kind of taking the reins here. It's something that all of us at Chomp Talk really appreciate. Thrilled to be a part of it. We're T-minus one week away from kickoff. At time of the year where everybody says the same thing. You know, you've heard it all week. I've heard it all week. It's finally here. It's finally here. I'm going to have a conversation in just a little bit with Brent Beard, who is the college football analyst with First Coast News uh, with both ABC and NBC over there. Of course, he's on the the pod up with Matthew's podcast with Terry Norvell on his. Brent and I have done a podcast for many years together. But as, as you look at this, one of the key frustrations for us has been, and, and I wanted to get your take on it, week zero games – why isn't the Southeastern Conference taking advantage of week zero games? Well, you know, what makes it even more uh, confusing or maybe even concerning is a better word is that Greg Sankey has stated in the past, back when Florida and Miami had the week zero game, you know, that he liked this idea that, that you know, showing showcasing the SEC in this way uh, was something that he was totally for. Uh, but instead, you know, we had to sit there and watch Illinois and Nebraska, two teams that I honestly couldn't care less about, although that did get Gator Twitter going with the uh, Scott Frost comparisons. Uh, But yeah, no, I mean, I'm glad that college football was back. There just wasn't anything to root for. There wasn't a whole lot of dominoes that fell or anything like that. Uh, So it almost feels a little disappointing, but obviously uh, we're moving on to another week. It's beat Florida Atlantic week. And uh, Florida Atlantic just named a, a new starting quarterback, somebody that, um, well, while Gator fans probably aren't very familiar with him, it is somebody that people in the state of Florida recognize, Nicozy Perry. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot to look forward to over the next week. We we can talk about the lack of a week zero game. It was a huge miss by the SEC. Um, and, and, you know, you're talking about a league in the SEC that doesn't miss those opportunities very often, but it sure does look like a miss right now. A huge miss. I'm glad that you mentioned that, though, when you when you mentioned Greg Sankey. Let me take a minute for everybody out there. What did Greg Sankey say about Week Zero games? I was there. I was almost going to say Tangerine Bowl. It's not the Tangerine Bowl. I was in Orlando <laughs> when Greg Sankey – before the Florida-Miami game, took a few minutes with us in the press box, and this is what he said about Week Zero games. Well, yeah, you know, we've played games on Thursday night. We have a conference game next Saturday, so we and then we play, you know, all the way through the season with conference games. So for everyone who says you have these gaps in your November schedule, we don't backload everything. So our our season is spread out the entire 
this year, 14 weeks, actually 15 weeks with this game. Uh, do I think just like designated one game perhaps, but uh, I would encourage a more global look again at uh, do we have the right start date. Labor Day weekend works, uh, but if there's interest across the, the bowl subdivision spectrum and they're going to start on what's known as week zero, I think we should be looking at that one. The, the Football Oversight Committee walked through this. This is a bureaucratic description of for regular 14-week regular seasons. I think where we end is appropriate. Mm -hmm. And so should we be looking again at more opportunities as opposed to, okay, you, this, this team can play or we, we seek that waiver to play in an international game. We seek this waiver here. Um, if it works, perhaps it just should work for everyone as opposed to these, these one-off situations. All right, Brian, we've heard from Greg Sankey. Let's uh, move on to Florida. Your thoughts on this game, Florida FAU, obviously it's a coaching mismatch, first and foremost. Let's let's just throw that out there. Yeah, But definitely. Uh, certainly your thoughts on Florida FAU. Um, you know, Florida should come out, get the job done. Uh, by halftime, it should be a 20-25, 30-point game. Uh, and the second half, we should see a lot of that depth. Um, there's a, In my opinion, there's a lot of concern about the depth in this team, uh, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. This is this should be an opportunity for them to get a lot of experience, uh, but I guess we'll see what happens. It doesn't always turn out that way. Surprisingly, one thing that's uh, kind of confusing to me is that Florida's only a 24-point favorite. I know that sounds like a huge spread, uh, but comparatively so, these week one or week zero games, however you want to call it, are typically games where you see a spread of 30, 35, 40. Uh, but this is only a 24-point spread, which has me like, am I underestimating Florida Atlantic here? Is there something that I'm missing? Or is UF just coming in so uh, underrated? Mm -hmm. uh, so there's just a little bit of question mark there. But uh, what, what is your take on that with the spread being only 24? I think you're exactly right. They're coming in underrated. I mean, first and foremost – there are a lot of questions about Florida that have to be answered. A lot of questions. In fact, the one area that we know of on this football team that you feel pretty confident about, running back. You feel, feel good about the running back room. At least that's my take. I think that's the take of a lot of other Gator fans. I think certainly from the media perspective, national media, regional media, on the defensive side, there are a lot of questions to be answered. You know, And really – from us too. We don't need to see Grantham and company signaling in what's going to happen on the defensive side of the ball with where players right back there as the ball's about to be snapped with their arms out going, what are we doing? What, what are we doing? What are we doing? You know, that was a bad look last year and it continued throughout the entire season. I think that's one thing that, that Florida fans and certainly media alike need to see. I think they need to see better defensive play top to bottom. You know, obviously – when you look at Dan Mullen and Todd Grantham, they said, hey, here, here's where our issues were. We're going to move away from our cornerbacks coach and our safeties coach. That was a real problem. That's what they identified as the problem. And they said, we've got two new coaches in, and all we've heard about is how how smoothly things have gone with this staff getting together and, and communicating well, and we, we've heard all these things. Dan Mullen has said so. On the offensive side of the ball, obviously, questions to be answered. Uh, so many departures on the offensive side of the ball at, at quarterback, uh, at wide receiver. The offensive line, a lot of work to be done there. Your best offensive lineman, Stone Forsyth, is gone. Uh, Brett Hagee, probably your second best offensive lineman, he's gone too. So what's going to happen with DeLance? 
you know, what's going to happen with Stuart Reese? You know, how, how are they going to play? Are they improving? You know, is uh, Josh Braun a starter? Is he not a starter? You know, I think there's a lot of things that uh, – because we haven't been allowed to go out to practice. I think there are just a lot of questions, and I think Dan Mullen wants this. He loves this, that he is flying under the radar and is going to get the opportunity to step up there. I, I'll ask – also, I add one more thing. Quarterback, what we've heard – and I've heard this, certainly, Anthony Richardson looks really good. The one guy I talked to who's been out in some of the practice sessions, he said, I wouldn't be a bit surprised, Mark, if Anthony Richardson at some point during the season ends up being the starter. But we know that's not going to happen from game one. That's going to be Emory Jones and Richardson's going to get a chance to play. And and this is what we've heard. And we've seen it posted elsewhere that some of the same thoughts are coming from other people. So those are just my early thoughts on why it's probably only at 24, you know, and, and if you're a Florida fan, do you take the shot at Vegas and run with that all day long? I mean, it looks almost too easy. I think I agree. I agree. <laughs> that's, uh, you know, I lived out in Nevada for a number of years and I, I won't say that we hit the sports books often, but okay, maybe a little bit, um, <laughs> But, you know, that that was a line that when I saw a line that looked too obvious, I was like, no, we're staying away from that game completely. Uh, but, you know, you look at this game and I'm just like, I, I can't make sense of that 24 line. It just seems like it should be 30 points at halftime. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I I don't take my betting advice here. I, I, if it was me, I'd say, yeah, bet on UF. And I, I mean, I probably would have taken 32 points. So I, I'm just surprised to see a number that low. Um, it's when it comes really to- taggart. It's <laughs> Willie Taggart. Exactly. That's, year that's two. What was he, five and four last year? <laughs> yeah. oh. You know, I thought it was interesting you brought up the point about Anthony Richardson because, you know, I was going to ask you, we have heard so much about Richardson from from uh, Mull and everybody else. Uh, to hear it from another source that you have that, that goes to practice uh, is kind of interesting because I wanted to know, is this – Mullen talking about Richardson because he needs Richardson to stay on campus because Richardson is seen as the future, or does he really think that Anthony Richardson is this guy that's ready to roll? Because I mean, I say everything like Richardson from the size down. I mean, he just seems to have all the intangibles to make a Dan Mullen offense, uh, you know, exactly what you would expect. Um, but you know, Emory Jones has obviously waited for this chance. He's going to get this chance. Um, and you know, he should Florida Atlantic and South Florida are not going to be the challenges that, that really tell us much about where this offense or this defense is. Uh, but that week three game against Alabama is what's really going to tell us where this team sits. Uh, if Florida can manage to even keep it close against that Alabama team, uh, that's going to change a lot of people's expectations for this year. I think. You know, I think the answer to your questions is yes. I, I think on both counts. I, I think that's exactly it. Look, if you're going to go into game week, you're you're in the quarterback room. you got to look those guys in the eye and say, you know, Emory, you're our starter. You're going to be our starter. you got to keep Richardson's head in the game. And, and I'm not saying that his head wouldn't be in the game otherwise. I don't know. You know, again, we don't get to hang around him. But – you definitely would want to use everything at your disposal. So by putting it out there that, hey, this this young man's looked really good, really good. And by putting stuff out there, as I'm sure he will at media day on Monday, that, uh, oh, Anthony Richardson, yeah, he's going to get to play. Yeah, he's going to – yeah, we've, we've got him scripted. He's going to play. 
He's definitely going to get in there and we're going to, you know, that's what I think you're going to hear from Dan Mullen. So you're right. I think you're right on both counts. And I, I, I think based on what people hearing, what I've heard, because it, it, it all ties up. It all ties the same thing. You know, that this kid's looked really good. And then, of course, Emory Jones, you got to keep his head in it. You can't say, well, we got a battle going in. Both these guys are going to get to play. You know, right now, Emory's 1A and Richardson's 1B. You can't say that. You can't, you, you just can't right. do that. You got to establish it, but do everything you can to, just as you said, you don't want him even hinting or sniffing at the transfer portal. In this day and age, look at some of the names we've had in the transfer portal. It's been unbelievable the past couple of years. Right. Well, no, and I, I mean, one thing that interests me most about Anthony Richardson is how they're going to use him. In the past, we saw Florida come to, uh, you know, Kyle Trask and Emory Jones would get some snaps, and they had kind of a whole different kind of arsenal at their weapon at, at their at at stake or whatever. Um, but these are two guys that have very similar styles of play, very similar, uh, very similar uh, components to the way that they play. So I'd be very interested to see. All right, if if Anthony Richardson, yeah, excuse me. <laughs> if Anthony Richardson comes out for a series and lights things up, are the fans going to start clamoring to see more of him and see less of Emory? I just, I, I think it's a dangerous game to start playing multiple quarterbacks with the same skill set. Uh, what are your thoughts on on that situation there? To me, that's one of the beautiful things about college football. It really is. You truly want that as a coach, and every coach does. I don't care what level you're at. You want competition at that position. I think that's just something that you have to deal with in this day and age. And, look, it, it's a concerning thing with the transfer portal and with kids' uh, feelings, getting their feelings hurt. But, but that's, what it, that's what it's all about. Dan Mullen, he's not changing the way he coached. He, he's going to keep coaching the same way. He did it years ago when he was a, a young offensive coordinator – he did it at Florida with Chris Leak and Tim Tebow. You know, when, when Johnny Brantley needed a little work, he got him a little work here and there, even though it was a different situation because you had a Heisman Trophy quarterback in Tebow running the show, so it was really no competition. But when he felt like later on Brantley needed to get in there and get a little bit of work, that they certainly made, made uh, that time. This is a different situation. This is not that situation. Emory Jones – and Anthony Richardson, Florida is on a search to try to find out who that guy is. So I think that's just where they are. Uh, by the way, for everybody, uh, be sure to follow chomptalk.com online at chomptalk. You can also follow Brian at chomptalkbrian, and you can follow me at McLeod Live. Brian, uh, let me throw, throw it back out there to you. Uh, any other final thoughts? No, I just uh, just to capitalize on the last point that you made and, and before we get out of here, you know, my biggest thing is I don't know that I trust Dan Mullen to make a move uh, to Anthony Richardson based on how the Felipe Franks, Kyle Trask situation went down. Uh, barring an injury, I just don't know that I trust that uh, Dan's not going to reward the guy who's been there for, you know, four years. Um, that's not to say he's right or that he's wrong. Okay, that's a lie. He, he absolutely is wrong. If there's a better quarterback that's not getting the reps, then there's a problem. Uh, but that's something that we've seen in the past. Um, but yeah, that's I mean, that's pretty much all I've got to add to that. Um, but no, I, I expect a Florida win. I think if Florida doesn't win by 30 plus, then there's some some issues to address and it'll give us something holding something different to talk about next week. Yeah, well, remember, the one thing, though, is is Trask did hurt his uh, ankle. 
And Mullen has even gone back when asked about that last season, I think, and, and made a comment about, well, you know, there there was a battle until uh, Kyle twisted his ankle or hurt his ankle, hurt his foot. You know, he goes, there was there was a, and we we know that to be true. I would expect EJ to go out there and get that first opportunity, and I think that's the right thing to do. But I would be stunned if he didn't give Anthony Richardson a a couple series, you know, in this game, and and really one series in the first half. I would I would be really surprised if he didn't. Yeah, I think a lot of it's going to we're going to learn a lot about how they plan on using Anthony Richardson in the system in that first half. Uh for for all I care, Anthony Richardson could get the whole second half. Uh uh but that's not going to be as telling as what happens in the first half. Hey, lastly before before I get off and I know we're we're in a little bit of a time crunch, but I'll be also intrigued to watch the secondary play. Uh, with Jaden Hill going down for the year, uh, Jadarius Perkins and Elijah Blaze are two transfers that are coming in. Um, both have some, but not much uh, SEC experience. Uh, but man, that's that's a pretty important spot to fill now that there's an injury. Uh, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on the secondary and the depth of the secondary specifically. Yeah, you know, I think at corner they're okay right now. I really do. My issue is safety because safety play in the Dan Mullen era has not been good. We've had some good moments here and there, but overall it's been inconsistent. It's been really difficult to watch a lot of times. Um, I I was beating the drum a couple of years ago that he needed to make a move and move away from Ron English. I really, after year one of Dan Mullen, I said, that, that's, you, you got to make a move, move away from Ron English, bring in someone who's a, uh, knockout recruiter and can coach up the safeties, and there are plenty of names on that board. And you know he didn't do it. You know, and, and as we all know, Dan's a loyalist when it comes to his staff. So I really am, am going to be intrigued and want to see safety play and see how much better or how much improved it can be under Montnar and um, uh, McGriff. You know, the the combination there. And look, I, I think you're you're going to see both those guys. You know, I guarantee you throughout the spring and, and August, you've seen both those guys probably out there coaching them up and doing whatever they can to help help each other out. Definitely. All right. Well, we're going to move away from Brian. Good to have Brian on. And, again, uh, be sure to follow the Gridiron Growl podcast at gridiron underscore growl and check out Chomp Talk as well on Twitter at Chomp Talk and Brian as well. Coming up. Brent Beard. Brent Beard's going to join me. We're going to talk Florida football. We're going to talk a little SEC football. Get you really uh, kind of going for what's about to happen over the next few days, over the next weekend. And we will be back with Brent Beard in just one moment. And welcome back to the Gridiron Growl podcast. Mark McLeod with you. Joined by my old friend, Brent Beard. Be sure you follow him on Twitter at Brent Beard, B-R-E-N-T. B-E-A-I-R-D. Of course, you can catch him in Jacksonville on First Coast News, where he is the college football analyst for First Coast News. He also catch him on with uh, Shane Matthews on his podcast and, and with Terry Norvell doing some things on uh, with his College Sports Today stuff. And, of course, you'll catch him from time to time on the Gator Blitz. Uh, so uh, always a pleasure to bring on Brent Beard. Brent, how are you, my friend? Mark, I'm uh, doing okay. Good to be with you as uh, uh, always. Enjoy working with you, and we have a lot to discuss, certainly a lot going on 
uh, in college football. We got started uh, with week zero, had some interesting games, interesting performances, some very good performances, some, frankly, very average to poor performances, uh, such as Nebraska and Scott Frost. I think Gator fans are probably maybe fortunate right now that that one didn't work out. But, uh, boy, a full a full slate this week starts, when, not, not Thursday, Wednesday night with UAB and Jacksonville State uh, College Football, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So it, it, it's a... It's a dream week for college football fans. It really is. And I'm going to get to a question. Actually, let me go ahead and throw it, throw it out there now. It should have been a dream weekend this weekend. Yes. Brent, why yes. the Southeastern Conference continues to drop the ball on week zero games when two years ago I was in the, uh, the press box for the Florida-Miami yep. game. We all we both were. Yeah, yes, we were. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to, to, to mention. And Greg Sankey's right there talking about week zero games I don't get it, Brent. The SEC is is uh, missing a wonderful opportunity to kick off the college football season with no week zero games. They really should. Uh, look, if you play on week the Saturday of week zero, you have the following week off. So basically you would have not one but two off weeks, uh, which would certainly make a difference. Uh, and I'll go a step further. I, I don't know why – SEC schools don't play on the Sunday night of Labor Day weekend. Florida and Notre Dame are doing that this year. Uh, and for that matter, Mark, I think the SEC, and, and look, I get the upper echelon not doing it, but you've got some schools in this league who could really use the publicity, i.e. a Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, uh, even Ole Miss, why every – uh, two, three, four, five years. Uh, some of these other SEC schools should play on a on a th- <clears throat> on a Thursday night. I know we've got Ole Miss, Mississippi State on Thanksgiving night this year. That'll be fun. Uh, but look, if you're trying to promote your program Thursday night and or week zero, great or great opportunities to do so. They really are. And you and I have had this conversation before. And we're both on the same page. Look, number one, marketing for the SEC week zero. You know, everybody across the country would want to tune in just to catch a glimpse, even of the SEC. Oh, even yeah. the haters, even the haters would yeah. would be tuning sure. in to see what's right. going on with these SEC teams in week zero. I, th- I think the other thing, Brent, is I'm all for, and you are too. The fans stretch the season out a little bit. Give them a neck, give them a weekend off here and there because it allows. The college football fan, and we know SEC fans, they're the best in the country. Let them go see some other things going on. Let, let them go Absolutely. catch and, and follow uh, maybe teams in the other division. Or or if they want to look around the Big Ten or the, the Pac-12 or the ACC, you know, let them do that. You know, let them have that opportunity. Uh, let them get together with family and, and – and uh, maybe go catch another SEC game somewhere else, you know. But uh, I just think I go back again when, you know, what was it, a couple years ago when Florida had all those, had like three weeks off during the season. Yes. That was fabulous. And I, I talked to so many people who really did enjoy that. They really thought that was terrific. And I can tell you two people who I know who went to SEC games in other stadiums at least one of those weekends, and then certainly others who – 
they took it off and they said, man, they were glued in front of the TV all day. They had the smoker yep. going or the grill going or whatever. And it was a just a really great time to get together with family and friends, watch a bunch of football, watch a bunch of other SEC teams playing. Well, they've got to take advantage of these opportunities. And again, you're trying to promote your brand. And, and, and let's be honest, frankly, the, 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 the SEC has been too snobby about things like this, uh, thinking that uh, they're, they're above and beyond this, uh, but they're missing real opportunities uh, to be able to, to uh, recruit, to be able to get uh, some positive publicity for their programs. You're not doing this every year, and uh, it, what we'll hear the excuses about it's hard to play a game during the week. Oh, come on. Uh, you can do that uh, once every three to five years. That's no big deal for fan bases. I agree. I'm joined by Brent Beard. And you be sure you follow him on Twitter, if you will, at Brent Beard, B-E-A-I-R-D. Of course, the college football analyst for First Coast News over in Jacksonville. And, again, you can hear him on the pot up with Matthews on the Shane Matthews pot up uh, once a week and, and catch him on with Terry Norvell on College Sports Today. Let me just throw a fun question out. How about this? Oklahoma, Texas. Let's say Texas ends up in the, in the west. Oklahoma ends up in the east. If they were in the Southeastern Conference right now, would you have Oklahoma over Georgia in the East? How would your top three shake out in the East? Preseason picks. Okay, if, if Oklahoma was in there, uh, I would. Well, for this, I'll say this: for this Oklahoma team, which is really good, and they're good because Alex Grinch has done much better defensively with them. I, I would. I, I gosh, Georgia. Man, man, George Oklahoma's almost coin flip. Uh, I, I would go with, I'd go with George Oklahoma and Florida. I think um, uh, at, at, at this point, uh, I'd have to think about that a little bit. But that's a great question. You know, that's why I asked you because I got, I got thinking about this this weekend as I'm watching the games. Thought to myself, you know, what if, what if Oklahoma and Texas were already in the SEC? Boy, th- where would they shake out right now? How how would they line up? Because I, th- I thought it was a very interesting question. Because, look, I, you and I have had the conversation. I told you. One of the biggest takes by me was in the Eastern Division at Media Days, Missouri over Kentucky, or is it Kentucky over Missouri? You sure. know, uh, sure. because I, I do have Georgia-Florida, but uh, I, I think that's going to be a real battle in the East between uh, those two. And, and we're going to learn a lot, of, of course, about this in the first month. All right. Where would Texas end up in the West? Uh, we see Texas in in the um, early AP poll or what eighteen, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Well, yeah, or or in the twenties. Frankly, uh, I, I think Texas uh, they would be in the middle of the division, uh, probably. Uh, but see, what you don't know is, I mean, I mean, obviously you've got uh, Alabama. A&M, LSU, you could switch those. Four probably would be, uh, gosh, four may be uh, Ole Miss, uh, 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 that you could argue that. Um, I don't think it would be Auburn. I, I would say probably Auburn would be five. I think six. I, 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 th- I think you'd end up having Texas around six. Or somewhere like that. I, I, I'm not right right now. 
if particularly if Ole Miss's defense was better, I, I'm not sure Ole Miss wouldn't beat Texas. Yeah. Yeah, and I was looking at one of the way early polls, and they had um, the guy from 24-7 Sports had Texas 18. That's what I was thinking of. But you're right. They do check in at 21 in the uh, AP poll. So I just thought those were interesting questions. And they I had are. the same take you did. I thought, man, Texas would be down there. Texas would, would oh, not absolutely. be uh, among the top three teams for sure in the no. in the West if, as I look at it. But uh, you're right. They would be they would be back there a ways. Um, as you look at Florida, Brent, of course, a lot of talk about Anthony Richardson and how well he's playing. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of positives coming out of Florida camp uh, in the rumor mill. What's your overall take on Florida? Has anything changed for you since SEC Media Day, since camp opened up, and, and here we are uh, one week away from kickoff? Not a whole lot. Uh, I, I am, in, uh, obviously, I am intrigued uh, with the – quarterback situation i mean it it's I, I mean i think i think emory jones obviously is gonna be the guy well we just don't have yeah i do too we we don't know how good he's going to be uh now we have heard a lot about anthony richardson now what i think some of that might be is mullen is trying to keep anthony richardson from leaving so uh and see you've got this situation with um other schools who just named starters uh, King has been named at A and M. So how do you keep uh, that other quarterback room interested? Uh, although uh, Mullen's going to have his way to praise Richard, he, I think he had three touchdowns in the first scrimmage. I mean, well, none of us could be there, so we don't know. Um, but I, I, I do think that uh, I, that they may end up. I mean, Emory Jones may end up being their leading rusher. Frankly, uh, I love their running back room. I, I really think Alabama and uh, Florida may have the best running back room uh, of anybody in the conference. I'm okay with the receivers. Uh, these guys really need to step up. If they get some real production at the tight end, Keymore Gamble, uh, Zipper, um, Help me on this pronunciation, Nick. Uh, Elkness, Jacksonville kid, looking really good. Really, it really had a good spring. He had a good spring and a good summer. Uh, A lot of it, we always say, comes down to the uh, offensive line. Uh, I, I think, I think this bunch has has potential, and that they could play fairly well. A lot of this, a lot of what's going on is going to be with the offensive line. I do think they're going to be much better defensively. Uh, what they did with the defensive line was uh, was really one of the maybe the best thing they've done since Mullen's been there uh, in, in bringing the transfers in. Uh, I, Antonio Valentino, he was Antonio Shelton coming out of Penn State. He changed his name. People not, may not be aware of that. Daquan Newkirk, Gervin Dexter, uh, Brenton Cox. Uh, I, I'm I'm telling you, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, but uh, I, I think, now I do think the linebackers would be pretty solid. I think they've beefed up the the, uh, uh, the secondary. Um, I, I, but, but I'm not sure what they've done to this D-line. May not be the strength of this defense, and they needed. And I'm just telling you, they beat A and M last year 
if they could have uh, had a better defensive line because A&M ran on them late and, frankly, was reason they won the game. Uh, I, 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 w- I would say that is the reason I think that this defense will be, will be uh, much improved but will be because of what they did on the line. I have the same exact take and, and talked about that last week on on uh, the Gator Blitz podcast. You know, Newkirk and Valentino, and, and yeah, I struggled to, to go. I, I called him Sheldon like three times and had to correct myself. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, th- those were enormous pickups. I, I heard from a, a source last spring said that they were really difficult to move off the line of scrimmage and talked about just how good they really – really were and how, how how difficult they made life for the offensive line. Yeah, I'm with you on all of that. I agree Emory Jones will be the starter, but I do think Anthony Richardson is going to play. It's going to be a two-headed monster. He's going to get Richardson some reps in each and every game. And look, if Richardson is as good as mm-hmm. what's being discussed, yeah. a guy I talked to who's been to practice actually said, man, I wouldn't be a bit surprised based on what I saw. And he said he hadn't seen a, a lot, but he saw enough to make him think Anthony Richardson could very well be the starter down the road. Yeah. He's that good yeah. and that talented. And so mm-hmm. so we just don't know. Any other thoughts SEC-wise, Brent, that you want to bring to the, to the table, to the forefront, uh, things that you've been hearing over the past few days? Yeah. Uh, let me also mention Florida – playing uh, uh, Florida Atlantic um, word came out uh, Sunday afternoon that uh, of, of all people uh, Nikosi Perry uh, who who was with uh, Miami uh, is going to be your uh, uh, your quarterback your starter for uh, for, for Florida Atlantic. Uh, now he played, started nine games at Miami. I mean, the honest truth was, uh, he wasn't really very good, uh, at, at that time, made a lot of mistakes. Uh, the, uh, uh, the, the other thing that if you're a Gator fan that has to give you great hope is Willie Taggart, uh, is the coach at Florida Atlantic. Yes. The one from, uh, Florida State, and I will say this: uh, they will uh, this uh, unequivocally. This will be what this probably will be the poorest coaching that Florida sees with an opposition the whole year. I, I would agree. Again, I go back to being on the field. He, the one thing Willie had, you had better hope that he did was got a strength and conditioning coach who was yeah. fantastic. Right. Because right. I remember being on the field, walking the sideline in pregame for the Florida Florida State game a few years ago, and I was like looking around, going, "You, you got to be kidding! That's a Florida State offensive and defensive line. I mean, they they did not look like the old Florida State offensive and defensive lines looked years ago." talked to a couple friends of mine who played college football and they said they saw the same thing. They said, we were down there. We said the exact same thing. Those Florida state guys, they need to hit the weight room. They do not look, they don't look right. And of course, Florida rolled them absolutely physically manhandled. Right. So, well, uh, so with that said, uh, this would be an easy win. Uh, and, and look, the, the thing that stuck out to me with, 
the uh, uh, and and I'll never forget this. I'm sure you probably remember it. This summed up the Willie Taggart era at Florida State. In the game against Florida, there was a time in the game where, for inexplicably, LSU did not have enough players on the field, and some of the, if I remember this, it, it, it was some of the defensive backs for the Gators were motioning to the FSU sideline to get to get a <laughs> That's right. to get a, to get ample players in the game so they would have eleven guys on the field. Do you remember that? I do. We started laughing in the press box, looking across here, going, "Oh my gosh, Florida's actually helping them." You come on, what are you guys doing? You guys got to get people on the field, and oh, it, that that was just. It was pure comedy. It really was. How about some SEC notes? Throw us a couple bones from the SEC. Well, uh, obviously Alabama-Miami plays in Atlanta. That That's a huge game. Uh, frankly, uh, Derek King is healthy. He will play for uh, Miami. Um, Kim Harris. Uh, Miami's got a good secondary. Tyreek Stevenson, Al Blades, Bubba Bolden. Um, I mean, could they give Alabama some problem? Yeah, that uh, they could, particularly with Derek King. Miami's not where they need to be yet. Uh, Rhett Lashley has stayed as offensive coordinator. That's helped them uh, tremendous. Uh, frankly, Arkansas hosts Rice. I'm just going to run through kind of what to expect for for this week. Uh, I, I really do think that Sean Pittman's going to have a good team. Uh, overall, uh, Rice is not very good. Let's be honest about that. Felipe Franks is no longer uh, with uh, Arkansas. So that I think that's going to be interesting to see where they go. Auburn host Akron. Bo Nix uh, is the, the back at quarterback. We'll see if he's improved with Brian Harson, <clears throat> Mike Bobo, Derek Mason, your two coordinators offensive uh, and defensive coordinators. Uh, Obviously, the big game of the day, Georgia versus Clemson and Charlotte. Um, uh, Injuries for Georgia, Darnell Washington at tight end. It it will not play because of foot injury. Uh, Tyke Smith, the the, uh, transfer from West Virginia, will not play. Eric Gilbert, we, we really don't know when and if he ever is going to play either, uh, frankly. So I, I think for this game, the Georgia can least afford the loss because they could get tripped up in the SEC. If Clemson loses, they could run the table. Um, Kentucky plays uh, Louisiana Monroe uh, with, oh, yes, Terry Bowden as your Louisiana Moreau coach. Uh, ULM did not win a game last year. And how about your new offense coordinator at ULM is Rich Rodriguez. So, Rich Rod. Boy, he's taken a fall, hasn't he? Uh, oh, yeah. Through yeah, he years. really has. Uh, but but, but that, is, that is where he is right now. Oh, LSU at UCLA. UCLA has a game under their belt after beating Hawaii. UCLA. Frankly, offensively look much better now. Now Hawaii's not very good, <clears throat> but it will be interesting to think about how UCLA will do 
after they do have a game on LSU, how much of a difference that will make, I think will be fascinating. Uh, if, if people haven't seen this, they need to Google the aerial view of the Rose Bowl. It was absolutely embarrassing how few people were there uh, for UCLA. Um, and, and again, um, uh, Chip Kelly, uh, hopefully we'll get things together at UCLA. Mississippi State hosts Louisiana Tech. Will Rogers, not the philosopher, but the quarterback, is back. <laughs> and he'll be starting. Uh, so that will be interesting. Missouri hosts Central Michigan. Yes. Jim McElwain Jim is the McElwain. coach of Central Michigan, <laughs> which is about to come out of Mark's mouth. Ole Miss and, uh, and Louisville Monday night of, of Labor Day, I think, could be a really good game. South Carolina hosts East, Eastern Illinois. Now, Kevin Harris is the best player on that team. Marshawn Lloyd, if he's healthy from that ACL, he's a really good running back. Uh, that uh, Luke Doty probably won't play uh, because he was hurt, but I don't think it's going to hurt them that much. Tennessee hosts Bowling Green on Thursday night, and Bowling Green last year was like 130th and that there are only 130 schools, 130th in a lot of categories. Texas A&M hosts Kent State. Haynes King is the uh, uh, starting quarterback. Um, so uh, we'll see how that works. Vanderbilt hosts East Tennessee State. Uh, and I, I do want to mention real quick, I know we've alluded to this, but I know that Chip Kelly was possibly going to Florida. Scott Frost was a possibility of going to Florida. Scott Frost made a, made an awful mistake. I, I get it why he did because of his ties to the school and, and going to uh, uh, Nebraska. But I will tell you, Mark, uh, that that was his poorly a coach team that I saw Saturday afternoon for Nebraska that I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Now, to their credit, they actually came back and got within – a, uh, a, a eight points, but the problem is they had a, they endured a safety. Uh, their return guy, instead of planting his feet on the eight yard line, ended up chasing the ball near the goal line. Actually, went in the end zone, batted the ball out uh, of the goal line, which resulted in a safety. They missed not one but two extra points, which is amazing from a guy that that was an All Big Ten kicker last year. And he also missed a field goal, so he had a rough game. And they lost the game uh, even after uh, uh, um, uh, you had a situation where the Illinois quarterback hurt his shoulder, the starter, and the backup came in, and they still lose the game. So Scott Frost will get a lot of criticism this week. He deserves that. Uh, They – it, the, a lot of people probably wondering what what in the world has uh, Nebraska done to prepare over the last few months? Yeah, and uh, Gus Malzahn is saying thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, look, he made his way on. Of course, you know now, now you've, UCF has lost two coaches who were successful there, and here's uh, here's Malzahn finding his place. What do you think about Gus at UCF? Real quickly, as we wrap up, I know you got to go, but um, 
what, what do you take from uh, UCLA? I think it's a great situation for him myself. And look, I think with him, uh, you know, he has a bit of a track record. I think UCF is going to give him time if he needs a little bit of time to help build that thing. But, but look, they've got some players down there. Here's the thing with Gus, uh, frankly, I mean, he's got a good opportunity. He says he, he's re-energized and ready to go and all that good stuff. Gus, frankly, Mark's a very average football coach. Yeah. People, re- people really don't get this, but Gus, it does take long to do the math, but basically the last six years at Auburn, Gus averaged uh, five losses a year, a year, okay? So uh, he, he has his reputation as a quarterback whisperer, but the reality, but no. the reality is, uh, Gus Gus does a really poor job preparing quarterbacks uh, in developing quarterbacks. Joey Gatewood's a good example, and why Joey Gatewood went back to him is beyond me. Uh, maybe because it was one of the few offers that Gatewood had. Uh, Bo Nix really has not gotten much better. There were times, at, frankly, last year, uh, Bo Nix was terrible. Uh, they really recruited very poorly on the offensive line at Auburn. Um, the, the thing that really saved Gus at Auburn was Kevin Steele, uh, the D coordinator, uh, who is as good as he had. Now, unfortunately, Kevin wanted that job, and basically they had a lot of problems there. But, uh, look, uh, he might do fine uh, all in all. But I, I just think, Mark, at some point, uh, Gus being Gus, well, your record's really who you are. And, and, and I, I think that catches up with Gus at some point. You know, you and I have the same take pretty much on Gus Malzahn. We really do. I, 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 I don't buy the quarterback coach extraordinaire. I never have. You know, I, I just haven't seen it. There's been so much inconsistency there. That's why I asked you about what you think about UCF. I think UCF's going to give him time to do what he needs to do. They already have some players down there. Sure. I just sure. I just wonder if Gus still has it, you know, if he yeah. still has the energy. Right. And you you right. hit that's a perfect word. You know, does he have the energy is he to go out and recruit and do what he needs to do? Does he you know, I, I don't know. That's that's what I don't know. Well, and let me also say this. I, I meant to mention this a few minutes ago. Tennessee is is playing bowling green. Uh, the coach at Bowling Green is Scott Loeffler. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, I, I've I've been on a couple of podcasts that I've done with uh, sports talk show guys, and they brought up Loeffler too, and and both of them said that Loeffler is an abysmal football coach. Mm. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, it, you will, uh, it, so, uh, it, it, let's say this, hopefully, uh, we, you know, we wish Scott success at Bowling Green, but the reality of it is, uh, Mark, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I, I'm, I'm not sure Scott's done much record wise, uh, or on the, on the field wise to impress people. Yeah. If he has, I, I haven't seen it. I sure didn't see it here. So no. Anyway. No, not at all. Brent, greatly appreciate it, my friend. Thanks thanks a lot. You can catch Brent on Twitter at Brent Beard, B-E-A-I-R-R-D. And, of course, check him out in Jacksonville, First Coast News. He's a college football analyst for First Coast News, and that is uh, ABC. NBC as well, right? Uh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, please, so. please to have both stations. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. 
And, of course, you can catch him on the uh, Pot Up with Matthews podcast as well as uh, you'll be hearing him here and, and certainly on the Gator Blitz. Brent, thanks a lot. As always, greatly, great to talk to you again, and we'll look forward to catch up with you soon, man. Good. Me too, brother. Take care. All right.